Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Barard. I'm your host, Michelle Barard, founder and CEO of Michelle A. Barard LLC. And I'm really happy to share this hour with you, where we examine all those places where spirit meets life and the joys and challenges it may bring. You guys know I like to start by thanking Ms. Beverly Black and Tribe Family Channel for helping me create this space for us. Tribe Family Channel is home to an assortment of thought-provoking shows that explore life, spirit, business, and culture, including The Woman at the Well, hosted by Ms. Beverly Black herself. Somewhere in the Middle was born on Tribe Family Channel, and though we have grown onto our own platform, we are ever grateful and loyal to our roots. To paraphrase an African proverb, we are here only because we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. I want to thank my guests on the November 17th show, calendar coach Paul Casey. You can connect with Paul on social media and his website, www.paulcasey.org. That's P-A-U-L-C-A-S-E-Y dot O-R-G. If you missed that show, make sure you listen to the replay. You can find our complete show archives, including the November 17th show at the somewhere in the middle podcast.com. I also want to shout out Bruce George of the Genius is Common movement, which encourages all of us to embrace our inner genius and share it with the world. It is essential that we share this message with the youth, but it's not just for the youth. We all need to be reminded sometimes that the world needs our genius. Learn more about the Genius is Common movement at www.geniusiscommon.com. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this month's guest. She helps parents and college-bound children find the right school and the resources to graduate from college debt-free. Shelly Howard is the founder and CEO of College Ready and CR Tutoring and Tests. She is a college graduate and is a certified independent college strategist. She is a best-selling author, a member of HECA, an ethics organization, and a member of SOFA, Society of Financial Awareness. Shelley is a mother of four young adults. Her oldest son graduated from Harvard in 2016, debt-free, and graduated from UC San Diego Medical School in 2021. He will be completing his orthopedic surgeon residency at UCLA. Her oldest daughter attended the University of Alabama and CBU and graduated debt-free with her bachelor's in nursing in 2020 and received her RN in 2021. Her youngest son attends SFSU majoring in film production and her youngest daughter is a rising senior looking to attend college as a business major internationally. Shelley has traveled around the world helping students create their standout strategy. She knows what it takes to compete in the top tier schools as well as finding the best fit college for all students. Shelley believes that no two students are the same and each student must have their own strategy and plan to be successful. Each student has a gift or talent and a passion that will set him or her apart from their competition. Getting to know your student one-on-one is the key to success. Her focus is to find the best academic, financial, and social fit college for each student to thrive and graduate debt-free. So I'd like to welcome Shelly Howard to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Barad. Shelly, thank you so much for being on the show. It is my pleasure. 
Well, I'm really excited because what you do is so important, particularly to parents. And I really want to get into that. And I think you know already, I start my interviews with two questions, kind of to get into why you do what you do. So if you're ready, I'll ask those two questions. I'm ready. Let's get started. All right. Shelly Howard, who are you and how did you become who you are today? I am definitely a serial entrepreneur. Um, this is my seventh business and I started all of them from scratch. I started at the age of 12 and both my parents are entrepreneurs. So it wasn't that far out of my thinking and really each of my businesses have come to me. I've not sought out any of them and college ready started when my son came home from eighth grade and said, mom, I know exactly what I want to do when I grow up and where I want to go. And I was like, really? Because most adults still are trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm a mom. I um, have two children um, biologically and two stepkids. Um, my oldest went to Harvard for four years for free, then on to medical school at UC San Diego and is now an orthopedic surgeon resident at UCLA. And so that's number one. And then number two, four years later, is a registered nurse working at a pediatric hospital. And she went to University of Alabama for free. And now my stepson, he is a freshman at San Francisco State going to do broadcasting. And then I have a high school senior. And then I just brought home a exchange student from Italy. So I can't get enough of my teenagers. I love them very much. Teenagers are the best. I know some people say they're the worst, but I think they're awesome. Oh, I live in a world of teen. I, I created my world of teenagers because I've always been a coach, a mentor throughout my lifetime, whatever career it was. Mm -hmm. It's just, I, I, you know, was just a magnet to them. And now I get to talk to them all day long about their future, what they want to be, where they want to go, how they want to do it. And I mean, they give me so much credit. When they, when they graduate and they get into a college, they call me, Shelly, I just got off a ride into Vanderbilt and I'm so proud of you. And it, they act as if I'm part of that. And it's such a really oh, neat feeling. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I think it's really interesting too, because the young people today have a different experience, at least based on what I saw with my three kids, you know, the application process, the finding money for school process. All of that is so different than back in the 80s. When I started in college, I went to University of New Orleans my first year. And I think my entire semester cost like less than 800 bucks. <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. And the application process was pretty simple. You wrote up a piece of paper. I know paper, right? They probably don't even know what that means. Um, you wrote an application on paper, mm -hmm. most almost like a job application, as yeah. I recall. And then, you know, a few weeks later, somebody said, okay, here's your start date. It was not that hard. Mm -hmm. And I found with my kids, it was very challenging, you know, this process. Now you've got to have so many extracurriculars. You've got to have so much you know, job experience or something to explain what else you did besides school, volunteerism. How are you helping uh, parents and students through that process? 
So it really depends on where they find college ready. The mm -hmm. interesting thing is I will have some people call me while they're pregnant and ask me, how do I start planning for college? And you're like, whoa. And then I have others in between elementary school. And it's just a conversation where I help them understand, just teach them to love to learn. That's mm -hmm. all. I mean, if, if you're listening, it's just the love of reading is so important to the success of the student. And so before they're in eighth grade, it's really just, you know, make it fun, make it education enjoyable, let them experiment, try other things. And then by the time they hit eighth grade is where people want to start getting a little more clear on who is the student, what are they good at, what are their gifts and their talents, what are their struggles, and start to help them and support them in both areas, celebrate their success and, you know, maybe tutoring or extra help in some of the other areas. And so College Ready, we are unique in that we start with students as young as when they promote from eighth grade. Okay. And we go through the whole four years with them. The reason why we started that is I found that dripping it gently over four years and helping them figure out who am I, why does it matter, doing a passion with purpose project and getting clear without making mistakes on picking the right classes or doing a club that may not matter, or even just being too busy. These mm -hmm. students think that busyness equals college, but that's not the case. And so helping them to get clear on why are they doing this? If they're just doing it for college and just checking the box, I really discourage it. Colleges are looking for amazing students to be themselves. They're mm -hmm. not looking for a bunch of the same person because that would not be college. That would be all the same people. They're looking for diversity, not just in skin color, not just in ethnicity. Mm -hmm. They need business majors. They need art majors that, you know, they need every bit, every different kind of person. And so I help students one-on-one -on -one create their standout strategy and help them to get really clear how much rigor do they really need? How many APs, how many IBs? They don't need to take all of them that are offered. And then we help them to understand what is their test strategy? How many times to take it, where to take it, why to take it? And then we do what's called passion with a purpose. And I could talk all day about that one because that's my favorite. And then we help them get clear on leadership and um, extracurricular activities. But really what it comes down to is when they're ready to graduate, we want them to know who they are and why it matters and be able to convey that to a college. And we're not looking for just do this, 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 and this. I tell people, think about it as if you were applying to a job. You have a very nice resume, deep and thoughtful and something to be proud of, or do you have no resume or maybe just one volunteer opportunity? That's what it comes down to. There's no particular one thing that's better than another. Mm -hmm. And so it's helping that student to take away the unknown, the anxiety, the stress that comes with just truly not knowing. And we simplify the process. And instead of making them ultra busy, ultra stressed, we make them very calm and we have a process and a procedure. And all they do is just a little bit at a time. Mm 
Now, in reality, some people do not find college ready until their sophomore, junior, or senior year. Mm-hmm. And we have a plan for them too. It's just a fire hose versus a slow <laughs> drip. So that's how we differentiate of, you know, how do we help them and when do we get started? So what is a standout strategy and why is it necessary? So think about it this way. Somebody will have your GPA or higher. Somebody will have your test score or higher. Somebody will have community service or more impressive community service or more hours. Somebody will have more leadership or better extracurricular. So instead of worrying about what everybody else is doing, we're focused on what that student will do to stand out without considering the the noise out there of my sister's brother's best friend's daughter. And you're like, oh my gosh, but I don't have that many APs. And you're like, but that's your strategy. And then it's about picking the right college for the right student. So we simplify it and we help families get clear on what is most important, an academic fit, a social fit, or a financial fit. In a perfect world, you get all three, but just like dating, you may not get all three. So you need to get really clear on what is the deal breaker or what is the thing you can't live without and then build the strategy so everything comes together. You know, people ask me all the time, how did my son get into Harvard? That's a top of the, and then how did he do it without going into debt? Like those two things, everybody wants to know. I tell him he didn't have a perfect GPA. He didn't have a perfect test score. He didn't have the most community service hours, but he had a lot of really good standout work. He had a ton of leadership. He had a lot of, you know, four years of varsity soccer, not, you know, one semester. It's all about that student and what they bring is that's what's most important. So when people start to get caught up in, I want my kid to go to this school, I ask why, why that school? And that's the hard part. It's like, well, cause they have a good football team. Well, I'm like, is he going to play football or they have a wonderful softball team? Well, is she going to play softball? So It's helping people almost simplify and and strategize like you would a business transaction. I tell people, think about when you bought a home, your first home. Did you walk up, pull the flyer out of your first home and go, yep, I'm going to pay that price. I'm going to buy that one. I don't think many people would say that. Or even a car, simplify it even more. Would you walk onto a, a car lot look at the sticker price on the window and go, oh yeah, that's what I feel like paying. No, you would not do that. But yet we leave this process up to our 17 year old and it's the cost of some people's home. A college education could cost the same, not in California, but in a lot of places, it is the same cost. So leaving this up to your 16, 17 or 18 year old be very careful because I promise you, they don't know how much that loan is going to cost. Well, and that's one of the things that I think is really interesting um, right now. So I come from a generation where parents just kind of, at some point they're like, okay, bye. You know, (laughs) like 
there, I, I didn't feel like I had a lot of guidance in the whole college thing. Even the high school counselor, I don't think was particularly helpful. You know, I came of age in the eighties. So, you know, you got to a certain point, you were kind of on your own figuring things out much more so than kids today. And one of the things that, um, the way that I started the process and tell me if this makes any sense, I said, okay, set up a spreadsheet and go research what you think you want to study. I do not believe it's what you actually want to study, but what you think you want to study. <laughs> um, I know a lot of us end up studying things and then we get out of school and realize, man, I didn't want to do that at all. Um, but you come up with the idea of what you think you want to study, look for programs that are good, schools that you think you're interested in, let's create a spreadsheet and then let's start, you know, start researching from there you know, cause everything's online, you know, no more paper brochures coming out and all that. So that seemed like a good place to get the kids started so that they could start thinking about that piece. Mm -hmm. Is, does that seem like a reasonable strategy for parents to take, like, go ahead and start looking at schools and programs and thinking about what you want? You know, it never hurts to look and think, but I think the missing piece in all of that is getting clear on what's most important. Do you need a financial offer? If that's mm -hmm. most important and you start looking at these amazing schools like USC for 77,000 a year, do you really want your kid looking at that school? I mean, what if they fall in love with it? That's kind of dangerous. So I tell families as much as I love the idea of them touring colleges, it's better to have a strategy even for that. Mm. You know, when you're on a family vacation and you happen to be in Boston and you're, you're like, you know what, let's just go check out Harvard. That's what we did when my son was in fifth grade. It wasn't, we're going to plan for college. And no, it was like, wow, this campus is amazing. The history is so awesome. It was never even on our radar that that was a school he would be applying to. We're from Southern California. That is across the United States. This mama did not want that to happen, but it was really introducing. I tell parents the, the number one thing to do is to talk about college as a just extension of adulting. Because no student I know of wants four or six more years of high school. <laughs> and they think college is that. They think, oh my gosh, more school, I'm done. Like I did my, my penance, like let me out. So if you take them on a college tour and show them and talk about your memories, not all of them, but <laughs> <laughs> not the wild ones. Not the wild ones. The ones how you combined your red shirt with your whiteies and everything came out pink. Those stories are brilliant to share. And how you met your roommates and your, they became your lifelong friends and, you know, the connections with your professors and really studying something you wanted to learn about mm -hmm. on days and times you wanted to learn. These are the things that need to be shared with students because they don't know why they're taking all this rigor. They don't know why their parents keep saying, just study, get good grades. They're, they're like, this is awful. Why do I want to do four more years of this? So I make college really fun. With College Ready, we even two times a year, we take our students and we tour colleges. But what we do in our strategy is we look at one public, one mm -hmm. private, one large, one medium, and one small. 
And it doesn't have to be a brand name school because what we're trying to get at is what is important to that student? Is it classroom size? Do they want to be one of 500 in biology or do they want to be one of 12? Do they want to have a big sports culture or does it not matter? Do they want to go to college in a building downtown New York or do they want to be in a rural community? These things are really important for their success because as you know, when students are happy, they're thriving and they study well. When they're lonely and sad and not connecting, that is not a good thing for them emotionally or academically. So that is the way we approach it instead of just, you know, Google is a scary thing. If you Google why you have a headache, it's because you have a brain tumor. You have to be very careful, right? What you Google. And I tell the same thing for students because U.S. News and World Report, as you know, as nice as we want to think that information is, it's really information what colleges want you to believe. And it's not always the exact facts. And so I tell students, even be careful what you Google and the resources that you're using, because not all of them are as solid as getting that information directly from the college themselves. So these are all things that I tell students to be careful about. And then when you pick a college, really get clear on the match of why, why that school, is it a subject matter? Because if a student wants to go into psychology, I ask them what they wanna do when they graduate. And if they say, get a job, I know they haven't done their homework because there's no job called psychology. You have to go back to school and they're terrified when they learn this. Yeah. But if we're not having that conversation, who is? And it's not the high school counselor because they say you're good at math, go to MIT. Nobody talks about the cost of MIT. Nobody talks about the social fit. Do you want to fight for every A? Because at MIT, you better be ready to bring your A game. So students have to get really clear on, you know, what do they want? Do they need an alumni or, you know, where do they want to live after school? I think we focus a lot on the exit strategy versus just getting them into a institution. We talk about what kind of career would you like? And they'll throw out some ideas. And I say, how much do, does that career make? Now, money is not everything, but I ask them, do you ever want to move out of your parents' home? Mm -hmm. And then money does get real, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I, I talk to them, I say, well, you know, I love that you want to be an artist. Is that a hobby or a career? Because you don't just graduate from college and you're a high paid artist. Mm -hmm. So how will you sell your art? How will you market? How will you finance? Where will you get the capital? And they're all like, what? I just want to paint. Like, what are you talking about? So it's these hard conversations, mm -hmm. you know, and as a parent, right, you're a parent of three, I am a four, you know, that when a parent talks, they hear want, 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 want. And <laughs> I'm going to stop you there because I'm constantly surprised at the things that my kids remember that I say. Good. Good. <laughs> 
we had we had one Christmas in particular where all three of the kids were home from their respective places. And I'm upstairs in my room and I hear them saying, oh, you know how mom used to always say blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, they actually paid attention. I didn't think they were. So parents, they really are paying attention. They just pretend like they aren't. <laughs> I call it selective hearing for sure. They are listening Mm -hmm. But I will tell you, I will say the same thing. And a parent right behind them is like, I have said this 10 times. Yeah. You say it once they do it. Why? And I'm like, well, you know, at least they're going to do it. It's like yeah. that you have to be happy. They're, they're at least going to do it. And I love teenagers. So it's not, you know, it's, it's not even a generational thing. I think this has been going on for many, many generations where, you know, they think a parent has these expectations and they don't want to let them down. Mm -hmm. So they might want not want to talk about being a professional dancer mm -hmm. or a theater, you know, performer, because parents are worried. How will they connect and get into that and afford it? And how long will they have to wait tables before they get their big break? And these are real parental concerns mm -hmm. that go back generations. Yeah. Yeah, well, I know that, you know, one of my children wanted to be a teacher. And I said, how about thinking about getting a hard degree and getting a teaching certificate in case you get into teaching and you discover maybe it's not what you thought it was going to be because public schools are very challenging these days. Mm -hmm. And that was my approach. I don't know if that was the best approach, but she did end up getting a degree in chemistry and she has her teaching certificate. And if she goes into the classroom and she's happy, awesome. But if not, she has an exit strategy. She has something that she can, does that make sense? Like that was the approach that I, you know, that was my parent. Uh, I don't have any kids who decided they wanted to be in theater. So I, but that's the way it manifested for me, you yeah. know, was I know that teaching is a very challenging profession and a lot of teachers were leaving because of it, because it's hard. So what, what do you ask, what do you advise parents to say when their kids want to get into a profession that either they know it's challenging, like teaching, and a lot of people end up wanting to leave or they, um, want to go into dance or theater or something that we traditionally in the United States feel like, hey, that's going to be a struggle. What do you advise parents to say? Or how do you advise parents to approach it? So how I approach it as a professional and, you know, parents can take it any way they want. I learned a long time ago, don't give parenting advice. Ah. So <laughs> I, will I will speak to what I know. And I, I, I tell students, that is amazing. That is a great plan A. Mm -hmm. I love that idea. I think, you know, having that as part of your strategy is amazing idea, but what's plan B and plan C, just like you just said for your, your, your own child, just in case plan A doesn't pan out, what is the backup plan? Mm -hmm. And that is how we approach it. And, and then we talk about, you know, how much, um, debt would you have to incur? to do plan A and how long would you work for free? And they're like, what? I, I don't want to work for free. And I'm like, that's called a student loan. 
Yeah. And, <laughs> and if, if you don't get a reduced or free education based on, you know, merit scholarships, that's what it's going to cost. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, I don't want to work for free. And then I'm like, okay, then maybe we should do this and go get some merit scholarships and really get clear on if I do this, at least I'm not in debt and I have a backup plan. So typically for my artists and my musicians, I will always recommend plan A or B that can be flip-flopped at any time mm-hmm. is have a business major or minor. You ah. can always sell art. Mm-hmm. You can always own a music production studio. Mm-hmm. They don't have a hard time when I say own or, you know, right. be, be the one in charge, you know, these are things. So instead of just saying, you know what, you're not going to be successful. It's really too hard. You're going to be a, a struggling artist. All those things as adults, we know is a real thing. Right. But if you say that they're just going to stop listening. Yep. So I don't say that. I just talk about that's a great plan. A. Yeah. I love it. I, you know, it's, it's, it's telling them that I hear them, but I'm not shooting them down. And I think right. that's all they want is to be heard. You know, yeah. teenagers, they just want to be heard and a business major or minor for any of those type of, um, wonderful, uh, dream. I call them passions. Mm-hmm. I'm also a professional photographer. That was one of my seven, uh, professions that I started in, you know, that was never my major, but I, I fell in love with it and I made great money at it, but then the iPhone came out. So even the best laid plans, right. Yeah. But I had my business to fall back on. And so that's what I encourage students to look at and do the work early. And that's why I love when we have students in, in ninth and 10th grade is because we can start talking about what are your gifts? What are your talents? What are you here for? What, why are you on this planet and who do you want to serve? You know, do you want to just work on your own in your home or do you want to, and we do all of this in college ready with our passion with purpose project. Mm-hmm. So first we ask, we, we not just ask, we have conversation with a student. What are you passionate about? You would think that would be easy. It is not easy for these teenagers because this technology is here now, fast, furious, and they spend a lot of time with it. Mm-hmm. I had one student ask Siri, Siri, what am I passionate about? Like it was <laughs> legit. Yeah. Really? Oh, it's interesting. I would encourage any parent listening on this podcast, ask their student, their child to write down 10 things they're passionate about and then rank them and see how long it takes them. About the first three are easy. The next three are challenging. The rest are truly um, pretty hard. Students really struggle. But I mean, is it possible to be passionate about 10 things? Is that a reasonable exercise? I mean, I know as an adult, I'm not passionate about 10 things. It is when you think about it this way. If you woke up on Saturday morning and you had nothing to do Mm -hmm. and you had all the money and time in the world, how would you use that time? I can think of 10 things that I would do. I don't think that that's asking a lot. You know, you, you know, it could be sitting and reading a book with a a cup of coffee, you know, Mm -hmm. that could be quality, quiet time is what they're passionate about. 
It could be, you know, I want to go ride my bike. I want to go to the beach. All of these things I want to, those are an indication that that's what they love. That's what they want. So it's not thinking about it in a way of um, something tangible. Mm -hmm. It's just figuring out who are they and what is important to them. Those are the things we're digging for. And then the harder one is when we ask them 10 things they would like to see changed in the world. Mm -hmm. So you have this generation of huge advocates. I mean, they want to do some amazing things. And I love that about them. And I give them all the time, money, resources they could come up with. They would do some amazing things. But other ones that have been kept very tight in their bubble, in their little world, because as parents, we're trying to protect them from all that craziness. Yeah. They're at a total loss. They, they honestly don't know because they've been sheltered. Good, bad, mm-hmm. or indifferent. I'm not here to judge. Mm-hmm. But if they don't know what they want to see changed in the world, it is hard to do community service because they don't know what needs to be fixed. Right. So, you know, community service is all good, every single bit of it, but there's also better and best, right? Tutoring. That is such a nice thing for them to do if they like tutoring, Mm -hmm. but is that, wow, you tutored? No, that's pretty, okay. Pretty much every smart kid tutors at some point, Mm -hmm. some other person, then you get into what's better. Maybe if a student has a heart for animals, they may want to make blankets or bedding or something for, you know, the, the animals either at, um, the shelter Mm -hmm. or the, you know, the animals that are homeless, that that is something they're passionate about. And so it means so much more to them than just showing up and tutoring. And then what's amazing is when they lead others to create change where they truly find out right now, the biggest thing is depression and anxiety and all of the things that, that people are going through a group of my students just created, um, it's called healthy minds Mm -hmm. and they're using sports to help getting, get students out of their funk. And so they love it. And this essay that they're going to be able to write about how they took this from a small idea to a national organization. That's amazing. But yet they're doing it with people they love. They're doing something they love and they feel like they're really making a difference. But what they're really finding out, do I like to lead or follow? Do I like children or do I like elderly? Mm -hmm. All of the sudden the focus is not on what do you want? You know, what do I want? But you're doing all of these things for other people. And you're like, wow, I'm pretty good at this, you know, marketing thing, or I'm pretty good at this empathy thing. And that is a great way to start. Would that be a good career for you? Yeah. And then you have this whole different insight where they're leaving for college, knowing who they are and why it matters. Mm -hmm. And their major actually sticks and they do something with it. That's awesome. That's absolutely amazing. Well, if you had three tips, three tips for somebody, let's say their kid is a junior Mm -hmm. and they just discovered you guys. If you had three tips for that student, what would they be? The first one is find out what they truly are passionate about. 
It is, it is the beginning to a successful application season. Number two would be, be realistic. What is a good academic fit, social fit, and financial fit? And number three is spend the time picking the right colleges. Our students earned 10.7 million in scholarships last year during COVID. And it was because we matched the student with the best school. And that is a critical piece to not going into debt. Got it. Got it. Awesome. Well, Shelly, sorry, you can see that my um, puppy has decided she wants to join in here. She's ready to play. Um, how can people get in touch with you? I would think the easiest way would be our website, and that's www.collegeReadyPlan, because it is a plan.com. All our social um, buttons are there. And uh, the other thing I recommend, I, I have a best-selling book, How to Send Your Student to College Without Losing Your Mind or Your Money. And you can get it on Amazon, or you can go to my website, and I'd be happy to, to send you a free copy for your listeners. So that's that would be my, my best advice. Well, that's awesome, because I wish I had that book before I started this journey with these kids. But let me tell you, somehow we made it through. I'm really glad that you're able to share. Guys, make sure you go to its collegereadyplan.com, mm -hmm. right? Correct. Okay. Thank you, Shelly Howard, for being on Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Barard. Uh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Well, that's our show this month, guys. You can reach me online at michellebarard.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Urban Book Editor. Send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send in some topics you'd like us to cover on the show. We'll see you after the new year on January 19th in 2024, when my guest will be author and president of Go Get It, Inc., Nefeteria Fonda. You can find us once a month on Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern at the Somewhere in the Middle Podcast.com. Let's continue the conversation. You guys be good, stay mindful, and remain prayerful. And happy holidays. Be safe and enjoy the break. Peace and blessings, y'all.